Well, good morning. We are continuing to worship as the kids go back for blast this morning. Uh, we're going to hang out in here, and we're going we're gonna to continue this a sermon series. It's only a week old at this point, <clears throat> but it, it is looking at this issue of uh, fundamental doctrine. And I want to just real quick, I want to do two things, man. Before I forget, first of all, I want to pray, because we believe that God needs to inspire the reading and understanding of his word. If you read the Bible, if you read the Bible, I would encourage you to spend like that much time praying before you read it for understanding and wisdom. We don't believe that this is a book written by humans for human understanding. We believe it's a book written by God for human understanding, and that requires divine teaching. And so that's why we always pray. So we're going to do that this morning as a matter of practice to pray before we get into the Word, and then we're going to get into it this morning, see what God has for us. Um, pray with me if you would. Uh, Father God, we thank you so much for the opportunity to talk to you any way we can, as Chris just taught us. We can pray with our eyes open, eyes closed, hands up, hands down, hands together, hands apart, walking down the street, whatever it is, Father, because you are everywhere, and we can always talk to you. We thank you for that reality that you are reliable as our God, that you do not forsake us or abandon us ever, 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 Father, but you're always with us, and we acknowledge that. We confess it, and indeed we proclaim it today amongst your people, that you are a God who is with us wherever we are. We know for our friends who aren't here this morning, you're with them wherever they are, and we just give you thanks and praise for that as well. Pray that we are worshiping you together in one spirit and one mind as we, um, we do this today. We ask that you would give us understanding of your word. Um, we claim, and I especially claim, no special wisdom of my own, Father. Only the things that you reveal to us can we know. And so I just pray, Father, today that, that there's clarity in what we understand from the scriptures that our hearts be set right, and then ultimately you be glorified and we'd be more united with you, more united in the purpose that you have for us in this life, because our good confession is that we have screwed things up and you are making things right, and we want to be part of, of what you're doing and making us right and those around us right. So help us to do that work, Father. We thank you so much for the opportunity and for your Holy Spirit that dwells in us in faith and for the truth of the gospel that's going out into the world. We give you praise and glory for it. In the name of Jesus Christ, who secure it by his blood. Amen. All right. Crazy stuff going on in this uh, series. We talked last week about uh, basic doctrine. We talked about this idea, why should we cover basic doctrine? And I tell you, we, we shared it last week, but I want to remind you that Timothy was warned by Paul to watch your life and doctrine closely. As a matter of fact, one thing that uh, he said, Paul said to Timothy, is he said, watch yourself. He's like, watch yourself and the things that you teach carefully. And, and you go, well, why is that? Here's the reason that Paul warned Timothy, and he says it in the same letter, because there'll be many teaching false doctrine among you. There will be false teachers among you. And, and I don't care where you're at in your faith life. I don't care what you've had experience in religion in your life. That should give you pause that uh, the inspired word of God, that God inspired to be written by one of the earliest people who had experienced Jesus outside of the church, by the way, in the Apostle Paul, that he would say, be careful, be diligent, because there will be false teachers who will be trying to dissuade you. Matter of fact, you remember last week he said, people will bend their ears to itching ear. They're itching ears to things they want to hear, not to the truth of Jesus Christ. They will turn away from the true God to false gods. There are no gods at all. And so, um, so we, we talked about last week that when we talk about fundamental doctrine teachings, it's got to be rooted in who God is and who God is himself. We had some great conversations in family groups last week. Um, I heard some good reports on the Wednesday night group and the discussions that happened there, really digging into the reality of that we have to root ourselves in who God says God is before we believe anything else. And we have this revealed truth in Scripture that is a great a, a gift to us in our time and day. So I want to share that with you that, that we want to start again this idea of, of doctrine. And last week the doctrine was about God. Now this might seem like a huge leap. We have five weeks in this series. We're going pretty quickly. But we're going to go from the doctrine of God to the, the issue of idolatry. And you might think that's a strange second stop, right? If you're going to talk about core doctrines, why go to idolatry? But we're going to find out why in a minute. But it's been a long-standing problem in human history. There's nothing new in idolatry. Many people walk around in life these days and go, oh, look at the idolatry. Nobody calls it idolatry, but you know, look at how broken stuff is. Look at the people who are following, chasing the wrong things, pursuing the wrong things. We, the Bible, biblical word for this is idolatry. It's serving or chasing things that are not God. 
As a matter of fact, the first place I want to stop this week is where we kind of ended last week, um, and that's in the book of Romans. So if you brought a Bible with you, go ahead and open it up to Romans chapter 1. If you didn't, grab one of the end of the chariots and open it to Romans 1. It should be on page, I'm going to have it up here, 782. So look on 782 in the Bible at the end of the chariot, and we can follow along together. This is Romans 1, and I'm not in the right spot, so I'll have to give me a minute to get there. Here we go. Romans 1. Um, I'm going to read a few verses here, 20 through 25, we're going to cover, okay? And we're not going to talk through all this, we're going to hit a point, all right? We talked about this last week a little bit. Listen to the word. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, and his divine nature, that's his qualities, by the way, eternal power, divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that, when, so that men are without excuse, now listen, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. I want to stop a minute. I want to read that a little differently with you. It's easy for us to externalize the text and talk about those people over there doing those ungodly things that they do that God doesn't like. That's kind of this reads. Check it out. Verse 21 again. For although we knew God, we neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but our thinking became futile and our foolish hearts were darkened. Do you see what it's saying, being said here? It's the people of God screwing this up. It's the people that God's made screwing this up. Verse 22, although they claimed to be wise or we claimed to be wise, we became fools and exchanged, now here it is, the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. This is the great offense. That you would take the truth of God and debase it into images of mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. Verse 25, Therefore God gave them over to sinful desires of their hearts, to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies and for one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and they worshiped and served created things rather than the Creator, who is forever praised. I love that he throws that in there, by the way. They, they worshiped and exchanged. Read it again with me. Um, they worshiped and served created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. I want to say a couple things. All right, and we'll, we're going to jump out of this text. First of all, um, God is forever praised. <laughs> like I said to you the other week, part of the reason that we believe we should evangelize people is because we believe that people's praise and their lips ought to rightly be returned to God because he made them. We believe that fundamentally it's true. He created everything. Therefore, as the song we sang today, all the hills, all the moons, all the stars ought to praise God because God made them. It's the right position. But for humanity, we ought to be encouraging each other to praise God. Praise God. As a matter of fact, the word we sang today, and I have a tendency to have my hands up. I apologize if that offends you. I'm just trying to communicate how much I mean I love God when I'm saying this, is hallelujah. It means Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise Yahweh. Praise the Lord. This is the fundamental call as a human being. Listen, not a fundamental call as a Christian, not a fundamental call as a Jew, a fundamental call as a human being is to praise God for all God has done. That's why we started week one in theology about our, uh, and doctrine about God. It's the primary call of our lives, our cultures, and, and us. He's just screwing it all up. So Paul says, God is forever praised. But then, look at what he says right before that. He says, we, they, exchanged the truth of who God is for a lie, and they, we, worshipped and served created things instead of serving God, the creator. You see that in there? Worshipped and served created things tell you a couple things about this idea because I thought okay I know what worship and serve proxuke or whatever in Greek you fall down your face right that's worship and and serving is uh, didaskos as you serve in the church right right no that's not right here right worship is being in awe of something like Wow, that's so cool, right? You remember last week um, when God introduced himself to Abram, he said, I am the almighty God, you know, the God over everything. I mean, and he, he says here, they are in awe of creation 
not the creator. That's the sin. By the way, it is a sin. The sin is that they are in awe of the creation and not the creator. And the glory that is due him because he is forever praised is being poured out on stuff that is not worthy of awe. We get impressed with so much stuff in our lives. It's not worthy of awe. The creator of all things is worthy of awe. The second word is worship, which again I thought would be our uh, service. I thought it would be the Daskos, but the service is actually the idea of selling out to something. Isn't that a funny thing? The word here means to be enslaved to someone, to owe them. It's like, it's like an employee doing his job. That's what it's like. Um, how many of you are surprised when you go to work and your employer wants you to do your job? Anybody surprised? I know some of you might be surprised. <laughs> I know, right? I'm not saying, uh, I remember when I got, I, I encouraged my kids to get jobs when they're really, really young. I remember I got my first job, and I was surprised that the person I was working for wanted me to work. <laughs> right? Really? And not only that, work hard. Why? Because I owed him. Right? I owed him hard work. He wasn't paying me for my good looks, standing around. He was paying me because I owed him. So you work hard because you owe him. Isn't that funny? That idea here of, of serving created things is to sell out to something that's not worthy of selling out to. It means you're hired hands and you're hired hands of the culture instead of hired hands of the creator. You're hired hands of the creation instead of hired hands of the creator. So Paul is writing to the church in Rome, by the way, let's not miss that, and, and says... Listen, stop worshiping created things and worship the Creator. This is your calling. As a Christian, for sure. As a Jew, absolutely. As a human, you bet. Are you worshiping God? Now, a lot of times you read this stuff, you go, well, that was 2,000 years ago. Man, Paul sorted that junk out in, in Rome, and we're all good, and now we can just move on, right? As a matter of fact, some of you who are here today might have heard that um, this, uh, this Sunday is a celebration of 500 years of the Protestant Reformation, which creates a lot of angst for a lot of people. As a matter of fact, I heard a crazy report the other day on the radio that said that Lutherans and Roman Catholics are coming together to both kind of apologize for some things and realize how much change has happened because of the Reformation in both the Lutheran and the Roman Catholic churches. Like, oh, that's, that's interesting. I've not heard that before. Lots of, uh, they call them interfaith dialogue, but interfaith is not quite right. We're all pursuing the true God, you know. We're going to dig in that a little bit later. But something like a family dispute about what, what, you're, what you're doing here. Who are we worshiping and what does it mean? All these doctrines, these core teachings are tied up in this idea that God is to be worshipped above everything else. No, no. God is to be worshipped instead of everything else. You see, we do that. We say, well, I can worship this stuff sort of as long as I worship God more than that. No, no. Your, 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 your uh, slavery or your selling out is to the creator because he made us. Your primary responsibility is to the boss because he made us, not to stuff. And it's easy to screw this up. By the way, before we press on any further, I want to give a little PSA or a little, uh, a little warning label on this. This uh, message is liable to offend you. I apologize if it offends you. Not really. It's probably going to offend me too, right? I mean, this is going to be an offensive message. Not for the sake of being offensive, but for the sake of being honest. That this could offend you. You can go to the very core of everything you've always believed. You go, no, wait a minute. That's not idolatry, but is it? Again, it wasn't an attempt to do so. It was an exploration of our reality that we live in. <laughs> Walking through life and just asking God, give me eyes to see, Father, the things that we worship and the things that we don't. My list, incomplete as it is, will come up in a few minutes. Before we do that, though, I want to ask you to turn with me to the book of Exodus. Um, Exodus is in the very beginning of the Bible, and we're going to look at chapter uh, 32. So Exodus 32, turn in your Bibles if you would. Um, and we're just going to talk through a few of these verses, just one through five, I believe. You verify that. Okay, 
Check this out. You've probably heard the story before, right? This is the story of the golden calf. Israel and the golden calf. It's a great little story for kids. You can tell it at bedtime if you want, you know. Tell it back in blast if you want to. I wanted to hear it today as a church. Listen to the word. 32 verse 1. When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron. Aaron was Moses' helper, by the way. When, when God called Moses, Moses was like, who, me? Who, me? And he goes, fine, take Aaron, you know. So this is Aaron, the number two dude next to um, Moses. With Moses, I mean next in line. But, okay, fair enough. They gathered around Moses, that's Israel, the people of God, in the de- and they said, come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. Aaron answered them. I'm going to read through and we're going to talk through this. Aaron answered them, verse 2, Take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. And so all the people took off the earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they handed him and he made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. Then they said, These are your gods. O Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. The implication is out of slavery, by the way. When Aaron saw this, them worshiping the calf, he built an altar in front of the calf, and he announced, Tomorrow there will be a festival for the Lord. So the next day, they rose early and sacrificed burnt offerings and presented fellowship offerings. And afterward, they sat down to eat and drink and indulge in revelry. Awesome, Right? Now, if you know the story uh, of, of the golden calf, you know it's not a good story, right? It's not a good story. A little bit of the context here is Moses is delivering his, God's people from slavery in Egypt into the promised land. They are in the middle of the journey of being delivered from slavery, from certain death, from servitude to an unworthy God in Pharaoh to the true God where he can worship in spirit and truth on the mountain. In the middle of the journey, Moses is off praying, talking to God on the mountain, and, and they get bored. All right, I want to just pack this in a little bit because there's lots we talk about here, but I want to talk about this. When does idolatry happen for Israel in the text? Just reading what we just read, when do we see idolatry happening in our lives? And it might surprise you when we find idolatry. Because we have a tendency to think that idolatry is happening to those people over there in that place. But listen, I want you to notice that when Israel sinned with idolatry, they were not sure what God was doing anymore. They were not sure. As a matter of fact, funny, they said, make us a God who can go before us. Do you know where I got that model from? God. Listen. They got the model from God. (laughs) Do you know why they knew a God should go before you? Because God had gone before them. God had delivered them out of slavery. He had crossed the Red Sea, right? They were in the desert. I mean, he was delivering his people. This is what a God does. But, But whenever they began to doubt what God is doing, they began to make false gods to go before him. They doubted what God was doing. That's when they sinned. I don't mean doubt like, listen to me a minute. I don't mean doubt like, oh, you should just have faith and believe and muster. I mean, no, faith in God. What's Moses doing? I don't know, but God's got us this far. He'll get us out. (laughs) You know what I mean? That's what they should be doing. But instead, they're like, I don't know what Moses is doing anymore. Just make us some God that we can follow. Any God will do. Come on now. Second, they believe that God was no longer in charge. Okay? So they're in the desert. They're on, a, they're on a break, they're on a pause, and they believe that God's not in charge of this anymore. So they ask Aaron, number two in charge, just make us a God. Just conjure one up for us that we can follow. They did not believe, listen, that God was in charge of this pause or this break in their lives, in their journey. Despite, by the way, all that God had done for them, they didn't believe it. Three, I would say, they were growing impatient with God's plan. This is taking too long. Man, this is something I feel like if <laughs> patience for us and even um, long-suffering or the idea of long-endurance things, we're losing it, right? God has been doing something for a very long time and saving, saving his people and redeeming his people. It's not a new struggle. It's not a new sin. And uh, they grew impatient with what God was planning to do to deliver them. 
So they, so they sinned in idolatry. Now this one might blow you away. This one, surprising. They sinned in idolatry when they had an abundance of what God had given them. You know the crazy thing about uh, Aaron, whenever they come to him and say, hey, hey, give, give us, make us a, a false, a, another God. You know what he does? He says, give me all your earrings. Your sons and your daughters, by the way. Hey, <laughs> just saying. Praise God for a little bit of, uh, a few thousand years of piercings. Anyways, um, give us all your earrings that God provided to you. Do you know where those earrings came from? Anybody know? The plunder of Egypt. Do you remember that story? It's a real subtle note in there. But finally, when Pharaoh's like, just get out, because God was bringing all these plagues on Egypt, ruining Egypt, ruining all of his, his worldly power, ruining everything he had built his whole life, his legacy was being ruined by this God of the Israelites. He says, get out of here. And God commands Israelites, take all their stuff when you go. Take all their gold. And so Israelite comes out, Israel comes out, not just like kind of, you know, sheepish peasants in the desert poor, but like dangly jewelry, kind of big gold cuffs. You know what I mean? And that's the stuff, listen, it's God's provision to the people that Aaron tells them to bring together to melt, pour into a cast, fashion with a tool to make an idol. See, I often think, maybe you do too, you know when idolatry happens when you're desperate, because they kind of sound desperate. Any God will do. Any God will do. But when you really, when God's really given favor, when he's blessed us with stuff, there's a tendency to turn that stuff into an idol. To just form it. Just so. Man, there's so much we can talk about. We will talk about a bunch of it. So much we can talk about here today. The gospel is good news because Jesus died to save sinners from hell. The gospel is good news because men, you and I, have sinned egregiously against the Father, and there's no way we can be reconciled without the blood of Jesus. No way. Remember last week? God is satisfied in himself, right? Remember when he's baptized? That is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. What do you think God is saying when Jesus is on the cross? Oh, darn, I didn't see this coming. Or is he saying, that is my son who I love. With him I am well, please. The gospel is good news because God is saving us from our sin. The truth is, in that saving, God blesses his people. And in the middle of it, we can go, hmm, that's a pretty good God. The one that we're more comfortable with. The one that we can dance around and act like fools. They had an abundance of God's provision. They weren't lacking. It's about all the grumbling. They lacked nothing in the desert. Don't miss that, by the way. Notice this. There was a religious leader involved. <laughs> Some of you might be here today, and you go, we're on good ground because Bill's preaching. God help you, <laughs> right? There was a religious leader involved in this movement. Just put a little more stuff in here, and we're going to have a God we can follow. Some of you are raised in uh, denominations or faiths where holy people are held up. Ah, they float in the room. Their feet don't move. It's amazing, right? How do they do that? They're people. They're sinful. Listen, Aaron. <laughs> Just hear the story, man. Aaron. He's the guy, he's the guy in training under uh, Moses, right? He's the guy that says, yeah, yeah. Let's, uh, you want a God? I'll make you a God. If you ask for it enough, I'll make you one. And builds up a false God. The religious leader was involved. That's crazy to me, church. It ought to be crazy to you, by the way. I mean, we should, when Paul says, be on your guard, watch your life and doctrine closely, you and I as believers in Jesus Christ ought to watch our life and doctrine closely. We ought to. Because we shouldn't have any false security about who's in charge and what they're saying. That makes it okay. Lastly, masking it behind worship of the Lord does not make it less sinful. <laughs> Do you see what Adam, Aaron does at the end there? He sees that this Golden calf is going to be a problem for the church, meaning the Israelites, the people of Israel. And so he concocts a real fast plan. Okay, I know we're supposed to only worship God, and they, we already got this stupid calf here now, so let me just do this. Let me put an altar in front of the calf, and then we're going to worship Yahweh. 
And I can't help but think this is him trying to like play Monday morning quarterback to a big old screw up on Sunday morning. I'm just going to fix it. Lord, I'll fix it. I know it ain't right, I'll fix it. And he puts an altar for the Lord, Yahweh, in front of the golden calf. And guess what? God is not pleased. God is not pleased whenever we put something that we pretend is for him in front of something we really, really want more than him. And then we worship and we say, God, this is about you. And God goes, I ain't stupid. It's not about me. Any God will do. God is not pleased. We're not going to go into the rest of the story there. But uh, let's just say, if I can give you the summary, God isn't pleased. <laughs> like thousands of people die because of this stupid golden calf made of earrings that God gave them for no good reason as they left slavery. God is not pleased with it. So you go, okay, that's an old school, old school problem, Bill. I heard you, that's those people back then, they used to dance around golden calves. We don't do that stuff anymore. All right, so this is where you're going to cinch your, you know, waist belt a little bit. We're going to run through some stuff that seems kind of like idolatry. Can be idolatry. I want to pull back a little bit because I go, okay, maybe, maybe it's worshiping through. I've heard the arguments, man. I've even made a few myself. It's not, we're not worshiping the stuff. We're worshiping Jesus through the stuff. It's not the stuff. It's Jesus that we worship. Here we go. First thing, what about all these statues that we have around? And we can talk about that in a larger cultural context, can't we? I mean, not to go there, right? But there's a statue issue happening. <laughs> and people are willing to like live and die by statues. You will not take that statue down. What, what about statues of veneration? I can't help, I, dri I drive around our community. Our community here in Highland, I see statues in flower gardens. I see statues in churches. I see statues everywhere. Do you see those? And I just go, what does that mean? What is that communicating, really? Arguing can be made. I've heard it made before. Hey, we're just pointing to people who point to Christ. You don't see the statue, you see through it. But let me tell you something. Man, my experience growing up, I saw it. I kind of got an idea, but I didn't get the gospel from it. So I was raised in a church where Jesus is on the cross every Sunday. He's on the cross every Sunday. And very graphically so, not in a bad way. I mean, it was good to see, I guess. He's bruised and cut and bleeding. I remember just thinking, like, I don't know what that means. Never knew that the bruising and the bleeding and the pain was for my sin. <laughs> my sin. <laughs> now, I, I never did it, so I can't say I was one of those that sat and prayed at a statue. I never did it. Never did it. How about this? Uh, I told you before, but I, I, was down in a, I was down in a grocery store in Florida. They had candles. And the candles had saints on them. Now, you might think, all right, we're going to pick on some more, you know, symbolism and saints and stuff. Listen, they had candles. And they had a candle of Satan. I kid you not. In like a Christian, Christian store. And they're like, that's for the other God that we want to please too. It's like, what? Freaked me out, man. So I, I was actually thinking about buying one of the cool saints. I thought about buying a Saint uh, Joseph or, or um, you know, I, there was, I, was looking, I was looking for a Jesus one, actually. I was looking for a Jesus one. I was like, I'm going to buy a Jesus candle here at the store. Um, I couldn't find a Jesus candle. I kid you not. Uh, but I found everything else. Uh, I found some Mary. I found some Joseph. I found Satan. That's super creepy. Uh, I didn't buy any of the candles. They were cheap, too, by the way. Like three bucks. It was amazing. How about this? Wait, 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 wait. We have a hospital here in the community called St. Joseph's. Um, there's a prayer garden by it called St. Francis of Assisi. And they're going to have dedication there. And we're invited to it, right? I'm not mad about it. I'm just saying, what does that mean? We're going to dedicate a statue in a garden for prayer. Listen, church, what does that mean? Oh, 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 I know where I saw another one. Uh, I was at the hardware store. I was checking out. And they had a little bitty thing. It was a statue of St. Joseph. And apparently, Chris, this might help you out. Uh, you could buy this thing for like seven bucks, turn it upside down, dig a hole in your yard, bury it, and you'll sell your house. Do you all know that? And people will come up with earnest eye and say, I don't know how it works, but it works. <laughs> I don't know how it works, but it works. Just bury the statue upside down in your front yard and you'll sell your house. What does that even mean? I mean, even if you value Joseph, the stepfather of Jesus, you turn him upside down in your front yard and you help you sell a house, like how bad do you want to sell your house? What about if you hung a cross, a cross upside down and you'll sell your house? Why, who, would do, who would do it? Okay, okay, okay. Wait. Look for it. 
<laughs> I can't make it up. It's like right in front of our faces, and we don't see it. We're like, what? I don't know what the problem is. What's going on? St. Joseph's Hospital is awesome. Place of healing, place of faith. They, they, I went into um, St. Joseph Breeze, and they gave me a little cross. I'm praying for him. I'm like, awesome, man. I mean, I get some of that, but so I'm not mad. I just go, what does that mean? Here's the key. Are we worshiping it? Okay, let's change gears. Uh, celebrities. People worship celebrities. I've had interactions with celebrities, and I'm like, oh, it's crazy. Why? How about this? Light crowd this morning. How about sports teams? Right? Cards versus Cubs. And we're all out now, right? When it begins, I know you say, I don't worship my sports team, Bill. I know who God is. I don't worship a sports team. Maybe you don't, but look around. I know people that will get a tattoo of their sports team on their arm or their leg or their ankle, but they won't commit to God in any way. But they'll commit to their favorite team. Because that'll, listen to me, it'll never change. It'll never change. All right, if I haven't got to yet, stay tuned. How about this? How about politics? Man, nothing's crazier in church life than politics. Every time we go around for a presidential election, it's just like, I'm not sure if it's going to be the rapture or final judgment. <laughs> it just feels like a mess. And people start screaming, I like the donkey. I like the elephant. I've looked into the history of that, by the way. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen, a donkey and an elephant fighting. That's hilarious, right? Wait, you might go, I'm not a donkey or an elephant. I like the I'm not sure who I like. How about those people? Now you're like, okay, wait, this isn't funny anymore. I don't worship my politics, Bill. I worship God, but I'm an American. I have a right to my politics. I agree. But boy, we get close to worshiping, don't we? If only our guy, if only our girl is in charge, then it's going to be right. Sounds awful lot like worship. God's like, false gods are no gods at all. Who do you worship? Seems to me, based on the 24-hour news cycle, listen, is it any coincidence that um, most of the political news programming happens when? Sunday morning. Did y'all notice that? While, while some folks are in church worshiping God, the world is broadcasting 24 hours. They're broadcasting these the shows. are all about politics. You get home from church today, you will find out all the important stuff that happened while you were paying attention to God instead of paying attention to the world. Donkey versus elephant versus... Mm. <laughs> oh, oh, how about this? How about those who would worship money? Man, Jesus talks so much about this. We're going to have this on the 7th of November, uh, the Smart Money uh, live stream coming up. And I, sometimes I feel that way because I advocate so long, strongly for that. And I'm like, man, do I believe more in FPU than I do in the gospel? That's, I don't. I don't. You know, but FPU is like the salve you can apply to people's bleeding financially and it'll fix it. It's amazing. But the gospel does that for us spiritually, so it's more important. But we can actually end up... Um, uh, having a false god in our finances. As a matter of fact, I would even say in our budget making because we think we got control of this now. All right, we're going to move through. Oh, oh man, okay. So you're going to be mad at me maybe about this, but here we go. Um, what about making an idol out of our sexuality? I know maybe some of you, maybe not, I shouldn't assume, I guess, where you guys are with this whole issue, but sometimes there's an assumption made. Well, he's talking in church, so you know he's talking about those people and their sexuality, not me and my sexuality. You know that pastor's reading from in Romans 1? The crazy thing is that many of us know that there's sexual, sexual um, sin mentioned in that passage, but the fundamental issue, you know what it is? Idolatry. That's the fundamental issue is idolatry. We elevate, man, right now. I don't care how God made me. I'm going to tell you how I really am. Now, listen, I know everyone thinks, you got your right to say that. And yeah, you're an American, you got your right to say that. Say what you want to say. Know that ultimately you're saying it's more important than what God has said about me. That's what we're saying. Okay, maybe some of you are mad now. I'm going to try to make the rest of you mad. I'm not like that. I'm not a homosexual. I'm not a transgender person. I'm not LGBTQ, XYZ, whatever else, plus things I forgot to mention. I'm not. 
but my sexual satisfaction is the most important thing in my life. So I, I look at pornography to be satisfied, or I demand my spouse please me, <sighs> or I demand my girlfriend or my boyfriend to do things I don't want to do. What are you doing? What are we saying? God's not in charge anymore. I need to be satisfied. And we worship. We sell out. And it's crazy thought to think that that's what's at the core of this conversation. is idolatry. We go, no, it's not. It's about rights. No, it's not. It's about idolatry. I mean, the world can say it's about rights, but it's really about idolatry. Because I have to be satisfied. That's the ultimate goal. Financially, sexually, even spiritually. I need God to satisfy me. Our work can be an idol. Look at all I've accomplished, all my hands have made. That sounds a lot like what God says when he makes stuff. Here's one, our intellect. I'm not like those dumb people. I'm smart. Right? I will follow God the minute God explains to my very intelligent brain that he gave me why he's real. That's when I will submit to God, but not before then. What is that? idolatry. Ooh, I want to share something with you. Speaking of statues earlier, you know, because some of you may be upset about that statue thing. Uh, I had an experience where, I shared this with my family group last week. I went on a man trip with my son Nathan here, and uh, we went to Washington, D.C. on the Harley. You know, you guys know that story probably. But we were out there, and we were at one of the big museums, National History Museum or the World, I don't know, I'm not great. There was like a million museums in D.C. They're awesome, by the way. And, and uh, I was a believer, you know, and Nathan was a young, impressionable 15-year-old, and we were walking through this display, and hanging over our heads was this huge skeleton of this transitional animal, right? I told you last week, there's no, there's no fight between science and religion, in my opinion. There's no fight, right? There's no conflict between truth and truth. But here's the, and it was hanging up there. And I remember I stepped back. My son was walking out and I thought, I was, we were, you know, and I thought, wow, here it is. You can taste it. You can see it. Well, I can lick it. It's too big, you know. You can touch it, though, you know. It's like they have found it. And I was really blown away. And I was telling our family about this. I was really blown away because here was the evidence that we've been looking for. It's hanging here in the National History Museum or whatever that thing's called. Museum of, you guys are going to correct me later for this, right? Whatever that thing is where they have animals and whatever. And you walk through the, you know, evolution timeline. And I was really freaking out, man. Like, I'm not saying I was passively freaking out. I was, like, really freaking out. Like, oh, my gosh, this means something totally different than I ever understood or knew. It's totally different. There's, there's a whole big statue of it right in front of me. I can tell that this is real now because there's a statue in front of it in front of me, and I can tell that this is real. And then I found a little plaque on the wall. There's a plaque. It's like a, one of those things that like kind of squeeze you on the wall. And it said, above an artist's interpretation of what a transitional animal might look like. Do you hear? We think it looks like that. But when you make the thing that we think look like that, we think that's that, and there's nothing else that could be. It has to be that, because look, there it is. Sounds a lot like those statues, doesn't it, of saints. I'm not mad at saints. Kind of mad at statues. But there at home, our intellect was pleased. This is what we think it looks like. I'm not mad about it. And saying, be honest. Our abilities. Okay, a couple more. We got to move on. How about our family? Can our family be an idol in our lives? I've prayed with people this prayer. God, I love you and I'll believe you if my wife comes back. I didn't pray that prayer. I prayed with somebody who prayed that prayer. God, I will be faithful to you so long as our marriage is saved. I will believe in you, God, if my husband leaves his girlfriend and comes home. Is that an idol? I mean, is that worshiping God? Or is that saying, I will do it, God, if you please me? How about this? I can't wait until I die and I get to heaven and I see Grandma. Oh, what a reunion it's going to be. I don't talk to God, Bill, but I talk to my Grandpa. He's dead. What do you say? I don't say much. 
Maybe, and I'm sure some of you today are probably going, I'm never talking to you again, <laughs> you know? Listen, it's not for me to judge, because matter of fact, Romans 2 says, those you stand in judgment, people who do these things are fools because you are doing the same exact things. It's not about that. It's about getting it right. It's about encouraging us to worship rightly. So don't make an idol of your family. Don't, don't, you know, it's, it's a bad God. Your family's a bad God. Your kids' productivity's a bad God. Your marriage is a bad God. But God is a good God. We can make an idol of all those things. We can worship them more than the creator. We worship the creator things more than the creator. All right, a couple more. I said that before, but really. May as well go ahead and press through the mess and come out the other side. How about churches? Well, I go to so-and-so. I go to Family Bible Church, you know. I, I go to, I don't want to name any local churches. That I'm, not mean, I mean like in the area, you know, but, you know, so-and-so's church. I go to this, you know, that's how. Matter of fact, um, I remember one time, uh, someone was asked in a restaurant and they said, you know, oh, you look like people who go to that church. You know, like there's a thing. Like that church is a thing. Why? Uh, the church we go to, listen to me, God's not impressed. God's like, oh, you finally picked the right church. Now I will tell you who I am. <laughs> That's goofy. Churches can be idols. More pleased with ourselves. You know, how, oh boy, I'll get in trouble. I'm going to go there in a minute though. How about, um, Pastors, I mentioned it before, but how about pastors? I listen to, I go to, I follow pastor so-and-so. I like pastor so-and-so. And then we get all hung up in that, and we worship the person. Listen, this is the danger. We worship the person more than God. That's what we do. We worship the person that's speaking more than the God who's being spoken about. God forbid we would do that. As a matter of fact, I already told you, we are impressed with celebrities. And it's no different in the pastor. We love celebrity pastors. I have my favorites. I have my favorites. I love them. I have to remind myself, they're just men talking about the real God who's worthy worshipped, and I shouldn't worship these people. All right? How about, we have two more stops. Um, how about this? It's Reformation Sunday, or whatever they call it. I don't know, Celebration Reformation, right? How about this? Right here. We got one on the stage, this cross. I got one in my ring, right here. I got one on this ring, over here. I heard someone who was talking from a church up near Chicago, and they don't have any of that. And I was like, what? And they said, about once every three months, someone comes to the doors, and they say, hey, you know what the church needs is a cross, right? No statues. We don't want statues, but we want a cross. And this pastor, as I respect, I was like, well, yeah, a cross, right, in church. And he's like, well, why a cross? Well, because it reminds us that Jesus died for our sins. Yeah, well, why a cross? Well, Jesus ain't on it. It's empty. He's just... It's an empty cross. It's different. It's not an idol. It's an icon. It's a, it's a reflection, right? The guy goes, well, why not a manger? Why not a boat? Why not a net? Why not an empty tomb? Well, we like the cross more. Is that idolatry? All right, fine, Bill. No more cross. No more statues. No more celebrities. Blah, you know. You're rid of all of it, right? I want to share one more one passage with you. What about this? Surely, surely the Word of God. The Bible, man. We're family Bible church. Like, surely this. <clears throat> There's this passage in, uh, in the Gospel of Matthew where Jesus' teaching comes right after the Beatitudes, Sermon on the Mount. It's in the Sermon on the Mount, I believe. And it's in uh, Matthew 6. And this is crazy because you would think, well, the Bible can't be an idol, right? It can't be an idol. Man, I read the Bible every morning. I read the Bible. I talked to one dude, so I read the Bible four times, cover to cover. I read it four times, cover to cover. Billy was so excited I read the Bible four times. That's awesome, man. Praise God for reading the Bible cover to cover. I'm not mad about that. But can it be an idol? Oh, wait, that's the wrong place. I think we're going, uh, all right, let me find out where we're at. Um, I apologize. We're going to go to John 6.39. See, I told you all, don't trust me. You've got to check, check stuff out. All right. I got it on the screens for you, by the way. I don't think you have to turn there if you don't want to. Um, oh, my gosh, yeah. This is Exodus 34. I skipped this, too. This is God saying his name is Jealous, by the way. If you, if you wonder why, why he's that way. Uh, yeah, okay. So I didn't put John. I don't think I put John in here. If I have it back there, tell me. But I'm just going to, John 6, 39. 539. <laughs> yeah, God. <laughs> Listen. All right, here we go. 
Now we're okay, because we're going to get to the truth of this. 39, you ready? You people diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. This is Jesus teaching. He says this. These are the scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have eternal life. That's the fundamental issue with idolatry. Because we'll do anything else but God. We'll do anything else but Jesus. And he's, teach, he's teaching here and he's saying, you think you are saved because you know what the word of God says. But the word of God talks about me and you refuse to come me to have life. Do you remember what it said last week at creation? That life, that light is a life of men. This is Jesus' teaching. You're idolaters if you believe that you're saved because you read the Bible. It's not true. It's not true. Now, I do want to share with you Exodus 34. 34 on the screens. Wait, no, we're, we're out of whack. Here we go. We're going to go back one, back two. Oh, there it was. Look, there was the other one. All right, here we go. Do not worship any other God for the Lord, Yahweh, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. That's the, the issue from God's perspective is that I desire all of your worship. I do. So you ask me, well, Bill, what's your problem with statues, celebrities, work, family, all these things that could be idols, money, Bible. What's the issue? And the issue is this one that he, God said in Exodus 34, I am jealous. And I've heard people say, well, I thought jealousy was a sin. Isn't that listed in the stuff that's bad? They're jealous, malice, slanders. It's sin for us. We don't have a right to be jealous because jealousy is us saying what God has apportioned. But listen, for God, jealousy is right. He is due praise. And he is due praise rightly. I thought it was a, a funny story that um, the, uh, if you've read it all about this, there was kind of two periods of what's called iconoclasm. It's when people started striking all the idols from their lives. Get the idols out of here, right? Um, and it happened twice. Once around 750, and that was in the Eastern Orthodox Church, you know. They kind of got this resurgence of, hey, this isn't right. But here's the funny thing that I read about that, because it's tied into the 1600s whenever Luther kind of said there's some problems in the Roman Catholic Church that he loved and he served, and he's like, we need to change some things. Why it's called the Reformation, right? It was to reform the Catholic Church. It wasn't intended to be a split off to Protestantism forever. And, um, and, and it was over iconoclasm both times with one of the issues that came up. Uh, but here's the funny thing. I read some historian. They said, you know, the weird thing about the... the that movement away from idols was, it was a natural movement of the people. It was the church, the church self, who tried to reassert that you shouldn't worship images made by human hands. It wasn't the people. The people liked it because it made sense to them. Uh, it was kind of like this. If I talk to God and I talk through a saint, I get an amplifier. And my voice is louder. That's how that works. Right? So if you got something to say to God, you say it like this. Squeaky, squeaky, squeaky. You say it like this. God. Right? I'm talking to you. And you talk to people in your dead loved one's name. You talk to God in the name of a saint or whatever. And that gives an amplification. Right? Praying in that way. And there was a movement that the people liked, but the church thought was corrupt. And so around 750, the church said, no, we've got to stop this. It's not right. God is God to be worshipped directly, and he's not um, looking for amplification. Here's the irony. By accepting the amplification of a saint or a false god, we reject the amplification of our ancestor, that's Jesus Christ, who gave his life. The word says he intercedes for us right now at the right hand of the Father for our sin. So why worry about this? I mean, why talk about this? And why talk about this in week two of a five-week series on fundamental doctrine? Here's why. God's glory. God's glory. Because no matter what it is and what justification we have for it, the minute we put something between us and God and we say, I'm worshiping God through the thing, but I'm not worshiping the thing, we're ultimately diminishing the glory of God for something that's less than the glory of God. And God rightly deserves praise. He rightly deserves worship. 
he rightly deserves adulation. And every time we turn our hearts and minds towards something that's less than God, to bow down and worship at its altar, no matter what category it is, we are offending God who deserves ultimate worship. That's the truth. So here's a challenge this week. And I'm just going to ask you to do this experiment with me, right? I want you to walk around your life and ask God, now ask God directly, help me to see idols around me. Just ask him to show you some stuff. Like, not a big controversy, just ask. God, is there idols? Is Bill crazy? What are the idols? Where are they at? Just ask. God, show me some idols this week. Maybe I can identify. Secondly, and maybe more importantly, I'm going to do this with you guys. God, show me the idols in my own life. Show me the idols in my own life. Because here's a realization that I had as I was preparing. The ultimate idol that we worship is ourselves. Us. The second thing we can do as we identify these idols in our lives is in the moment, we can choose, we can choose to worship God instead. I was going to share with you Matthew 6.33. I'm just going to say it though instead of putting it up here. But Jesus teaches this. He says, um, don't chase after the thing that the world chases after. Don't pursue those things. The false idols, the false gods. Don't pursue them. Instead, seek him and his kingdom, his righteousness, and everything you need will be poured upon you. We end up chasing things instead of God. And the goal is not to do that. And it'll be an ultimate failure. It'll be an ultimate failure as a preacher of the gospel if I let you believe otherwise that God is somehow pleased. I know what I'm saying is hard. I know what I'm saying goes against a whole bunch of stuff, but it's the truth. Worshiping a God, worshiping God behind a false God is not worshiping God at all. Pray with me if you would. Father God, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for the chance we've had to come and to hear your word. And I pray, Father, that sinner's prayer that I have no wisdom of my own, that I am not up here to tell people what I think should be, Father. And so I pray that today your Holy Spirit will be working in people's hearts and minds in a way that none of us can imagine, that we might see the truth. And Father, I want to say this. For those who see the truth today, who, who worship you in spirit and truth, and who are pleasing to you, I, get, I get praise God, amen, and I pray I learn with them how to do that. I pray I learn from them how to do that well. But for those of us, Father, who have these idols that just crop up in our hearts like weeds in the garden, Father, I just pray that you would show us where they are and then pull them out, Lord. Um, we want to worship and glorify you and you alone. And ultimately, you are the only one who can save us. We cannot be saved apart from you. That's the truth of your Bible. And so we pray that, Father, you would save us in that way, that you would show us your salvation and you would show us how to worship you truthfully. Uh, we love you so much. We thank you for the chance we've had to come together today to expound in your word. I pray now as your community goes out and discusses it, it will be a benefit to them and a blessing to others. Help us to grow together. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.